You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie, and this is another episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. And today on the podcast, we have Dr. Robert Hess. He uh, was the Executive Vice President and Chief Clinical Executive at One Course, One Course Learning and Nurse.com. He is the founder and CEO of the Forum for Shared Governance. And also he, in his spare time, has set up a website called The Career Whisperer, which I want to hear more about as well. So thank you so much uh, for being in our podcast today. Well, thanks for having me, Katie, because we know each other for a gazillion years. <laughs> yes, that's my uh, disclaimer here. I've known, I've known Bob since I was uh, way young. <laughs> Student. She was a girl across the street, first of all. Yeah, that's how we met. And uh, then you were one of my teachers in my PhD program. I was um, uh, a, a doctoral student at University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, where we're okay and you're not. It's just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and I not only was Katie's teacher, but I employed her for a while. When I was editor of Nursing Spectrum, she was a proofreader, and she was a bear, too, because she was good at it. <laughs> I was going to say, like, well, now I have, like, zero attention to detail. So, you know, I look at it, something that needs to be edited, and I can't see any glaring mistakes anymore. Uh, she was a great proofreader. Um, <laughs> we had to proof, proof every ad on production night. Everything was done with paste-up boards that were sent to printers via courier, and we were up uh, the whole night sometimes. It was that was just, a lot of work. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was, like, tedious. But... It got the work done, so that was uh, part of my past, being editor of Nursing Spectrum, if anybody remembers that. Uh, what happened in the Nursing Spectrum? Well, Nursing Spectrum is the brand that wouldn't die. So we killed the brand somewhere along uh, acquisitions of Nursing Spectrum and turned it into nurse.com. And still, uh, after I was with that company for 26 years, I just retired December 31st, but I can still go to certain places in the United States and uh, tell somebody, well, I was with Nursing Spectrum, and they'll say, well, what happened to Spectrum? I'm not getting that in the mail anymore. I said, well, we killed the brand eight years ago. Um, and when people would say that to me eight years ago, I said, well, you didn't fill your requester card in, so we stopped sending it to you. I used to love the nursing spectrum. That was great, like getting that back. <laughs> yeah, we all loved it. It went out to a million nurses every two weeks. It cost about a dollar to produce, and it went for free. So it cost a million dollars every two weeks, like, to get that thing out there. Yeah, I guess that's a little expensive. Well, I mean, we were making a lot of money during the nursing shortages uh, from from the recruiters. So we uh, from from the employers, we would make money and then send nurses free stuff pretty cool that is actually a really business plan (laughs) that's a really good business plan i mean if you have an audience like that that really puts you in a power position right yep yeah we and we we even we even talked about how we were influencing the uh english language whether we would make healthcare one word or two words knowing that there'd be a million nurses out there looking at the way we use 
uh, English. Uh, that's a, that's a, I, what is it? Is it a one word or is it two words? Well, it depends on what style you're in and what day of the week and whether it's an adjective or a noun. It just goes on and on. For me, it's always one word, but other people, I don't know, other places. Do. Yeah, I've always written it as one word as well. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> that is a lot of fun. All right. So then, so it morphed into nurse.com. Is, is that how yeah, it Yeah, nurse.com. You know, Nursing Spectrum was bought by Gannett. USA Today. They had it for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Then it was bought by On Course Learning. Um, and then recently, after three, three and a half years, uh, Relias bought um, On Course Learning Healthcare and absorbed that. And On Course Learning Real Estate, and because uh, we were producing more than just healthcare, real estate and uh, banking uh, stayed On Course Learning. So. And what did you do for on course learning? I basically, in the last 26 years, built up the whole education division. So, uh, you know, this, the company was an advertising company for recruitment. And when it was sold, it was sold as an education company because the uh, recruitment part of the company sort of rose and fell with the nursing shortage. And uh, I have, you know, I've researched and published in that area and uh, talked about the long and short-term nursing economy and the nursing shortage. This is another, another area I dabbled in. Um, every year at NSNA, National Student Nurse Association, uh, I think this year I'll be talking about it for the 16th year. Um, so we follow that. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, so what are we in now? A nursing shortage or nursing surplus? Or We're in a special thing. <laughs> We're in a regional nursing shortage and oversupply, depending on where you are and what you do. Okay. So you just can't say that there's a national shortage. So it's, it's very strange. You'll talk to some nurses and they'll say, what's, there, what's shortage? There's too many nurses. And then you talk to nurses in another part of the country and they'll say, you know, we just don't have enough nurses. So it's really important, uh, I tell people, to not be uh, have tunnel vision and be local in what you're um, looking at or perceiving because it's, it's only local. Nurses really need to have a global focus so they know what's going on in the profession. Because um, mm -hmm. what you see is not what, I mean, when I published, uh, I, was, I was the career blogger for nurse.com, and when I talked about nurses making six figures, uh, I had like an onslaught of nurses saying, you know, like, what drugs are you on? Like, nobody, no nurses make six figures unless you're a chief nurse or blah, blah, blah. And it's not true. There are parts of the country where staff nurses are making six figures without overtime. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So it depends on where you are. Of course, your cost of living might be through the ceiling. But, uh, you know, nurses, depending on where you go and what your specialty is, you can go to the bank all day long. I mean, I've known millionaire nurse entrepreneurs for 30 years. I mean, 30 years ago, nurses were making a million dollars a year, depending on what they were doing. Right. Yeah, no, I remember those days uh, as a staff nurse that my goal was to break six figures. And it seemed like no matter how much uh, overtime I did, I could never get there. <laughs> it was so I, you know, I can imagine the, the onslaught of, of emails that you got for that. But <laughs> yeah, yep. but it just depends on where you are. New York right. City, San Francisco, uh, places like that. Um, easily, easily. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you were a career blogger for nurse.com as well. So um, 
how did that um well, you know, it, when I was the editor of Philadelphia Nursing Spectrum, I wrote an editorial um, every month, and uh, I, I tried to focus on career topics because Nursing Spectrum was about career fitness. So 25 years ago, I was blogging on um, career fitness. So a couple years ago, um, I basically thought I could do a better job than the people that were blogging. And so I made a lot of noise about it in the company. And so guess what? Um, I, if you didn't like it so much, then why don't you do it? So I, <laughs> so I did it. It was like riding a bike. So I guess I got a couple dozen blogs on nurse.com still, although I'm not doing it right now. Yeah, I think it's important because I, I feel like there's not like a real career blog out there, like how to help nurses kind of climb up the ladder. Like that doesn't really exist. Do, do you see it out there? Or I mean, aside from what you were doing as a uh, talking about nursing careers, have you seen other stuff? Well, Donna Cardella does a good job. I think, um, you know, I just um, uh, sponsored her into the Academy of Nursing, American Academy of Nursing. And this is one of her fortes. She's written a couple books on it. She does it very well, I think. Um, I have a lot of respect for her. I've known her for years. And uh, actually, you should uh, think about uh, having her come on your blog because she's, she's fantastic. But I did start careerwhisperer.org. Uh, I just bought that URL about a year and a half, two years ago, actually before I had time to do anything with it. So I am, it's uh, going to emerge in my retirement and I'm going to be dabbling with that. What I would like to do is I'll be posting career blogs or at least links to my own blogs on that site. And uh, I've, I've uh, talked to uh, uh, John Lavery. He's a retired um, recruiter from the Philadelphia area. Every year when I speak at NSNA, I call up a couple of recruiters in the air in uh, across the United States and ask them about the job market. So I go right to the source and ask them what's new about interviewing because I talk about how to market yourself as a nurse uh, and how to, to um, interview the people that are going to interview you. So I teach you to turn the tables in about an hour, give you a lot of things to think about. And so on Career Whisper, um, people like John, I hope, are going to be helping me. And uh, we're going to provide a service, a resume reviewing service, uh, things like that. And we'll charge for it. I mean, a lot of stuff that I was doing for free um, now that I'm uh, 70 and uh, you know, 70s, the new 40 or 30. Anyway, <laughs> who you ask, if you ask Bob S, it's the new 30. Um, you know, I will be charging some nominal fee to do that. But you'll get, you know, you'll get the advice of um, people that have been in this business for very, for a very long time. Very long time. And that is huge. And, and you know, for anybody that wants everything for free, like, you know, it's, it's crazy. So, you know, to have your expertise, your knowledge, and not only that, but your connections, like, I mean, you could look at somebody and be like, you would be perfect for this. And I know exactly who you can call and you know, that kind of stuff like that is worth, you can't even put a price on that. Well, I actually gave the reins up of the education division, I guess about two years ago and wrote my own job description going out into retirement. Um, and I was paid for who I knew. Um, that's really what, um, as a connector, the last couple of years, because I do know a lot of people. I put together nurse.com's 
board and um, that's sort of a who's who in nursing and uh, you know when once you get up in um, in higher leadership circles you find that everybody knows everybody so it's not a great big uh, secret after a while and it's not even hard to uh, crack those circles you just have to do certain things um, as your career progresses and I think that that's something that I can do for people as well as give them career advice. Um, I've been doing it for a long time and um, I think about it. Um, you know, the thrust of my career has been to empower nurses. I mean, that, that, that's the deal with me. I learned very early on that I love taking care of patients, but I love taking care of nurses more. Yeah, so and I, I, I love that you're doing the career whisper too, because I think it's so desperately needed because it's something like, I really don't feel like we show that pathway, that blueprint of how to get from the bedside nurse to, you know, CEO, if you will, of the hospital. Like there, there's just not, you don't, uh, there's not many resources. Some people end up there, you know, that maybe they just, it happens. But if you want it to be very clear and very direct about that path, I mean, somebody like you mentoring would be amazing. Yeah, you don't have to stumble along anymore. There are people like to come point the way um, or, right. or, or uncover options. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I love seeing nurses in those positions now. I mean, I, I think Penn now has a, the CEO as a nurse, so maybe it's a different hospital system, but I thought it was Penn. Well, there's a lot of CEOs out there. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's great. So, Bob, you have um, the other big pinnacle of your career has been the shared governance. Uh, do you want to talk about that a bit? Uh, yeah, so um, I, I've, uh, my career progression has been to empower nurses. So I was really big into participative management when that was in vogue. And then it sort of morphed into something more serious with the professional governance. And what happens when nurses and other healthcare professions come to uh, an organization as professionals and employees at the same time and how you manage to reconcile those uh, those roles and um, really what you do with uh, power and control and influence in an organization when you get it or there's an opportunity to um, to obtain that sort of power so shared governance has been around for about 40 some years with us and um, I've published and done research for most of my career about shared governance. Uh, I've been a nurse 43 years. So I guess about 10 years ago or more, I started the forum for shared governance. Um, I bought the URL, sharedgovernance.org. I called up a nurse I knew that was helping people with websites, and I said I wanted to put up a website. And he said, uh, I, I will, um, I'll teach you to fish. <laughs> so he uh, had me go and take tutorials online in uh, HTML and then we uh, and it wasn't really that hard to learn and uh, later we converted the site to WordPress and I learned that so that uh, if there was something that needed to be changed at Saturday night at midnight I didn't have to call a consultant up I just went in and changed it so you know I didn't have people charging me a hundred dollars to change a comma and tell me how hard it was when it wasn't hard at all so you can't buffalo me with that because I know it so I became the uh, the webmaster for for sharedgovernance.org at the same time so this little thing grew and grew and grew um, 
And uh, what we're doing now, what I'll be doing in retirement, because I've got more time now, uh, is uh, I'm actually going to write a business plan. I've made a passive income from this since I started it um, in little ways. Um, I do have the only instrument that measures uh, globally whether you have shared governance or not on a continuum of professional governance that goes from traditional governance on one side to self-governance on the other side of the continuum. If you uh, owned a hospital and employed managers for your hospital and shared governance is all about everything in between. It's a matter of what is being shared and how much by whom. And so uh, Diana Swihart and I, we've got our fourth edition of our book that's coming out uh, that just came out last month. And that's called, oddly enough, Shared Governance. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, so <laughs> let me ask you because this was like your um, this is something that you worked on over your entire career. So I did. Um, is this something that you had originally envisioned monetizing and is it something that you monetized early on or is it something that came to you later like, oh, I, I can monetize this? You know, I started out to do free stuff. Um, like all you know, nurses, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was completely altruistic about this. I knew there was a lot of phony shared governance going on, uh, marketing, just used for marketing. I know that I have still have a lot of colleagues that uh, they just sort of like uh, jerk. When I can see them, like they're just, they're not offended, but they're sort of like, they're, they, don't, they don't like it when I say, when I talk about real shared governance. Um, and uh, so my doctoral dissertation was an instrument that measured it, whether you have it or not. It's the only instrument that can be used, like in any situation. Um, so I was given it away. I give, gave the instrument away for 20 years. Um, I now charge for the registration of its use. Uh, there were people running all over the place with my instrument. I would give them permission. I'd be on the phone for an hour or two. I'd be around for free consultations in the middle of the night. Um, and uh, I just wanted people to take this seriously, the use of the instrument. So I charged them $300. It was just enough to be a nuisance. People couldn't pull that out of their pocket or they wouldn't want to. So they'd have to... Uh, uh, put in a check request or get their CNO to sign off on it or something like that. So I just raised it to 500 a couple months ago because 300 is uh, not a nuisance anymore. People do pull that out of their pocket. So $500 and then I give them the, uh, uh, you, you get the scoring guidelines and you sort of get Bob Hess really. Um, I do charge a bunch of money to come and speak at this point. And uh, to consult uh, Diana Swihart, who's my co-author, the two of us will come out sometimes and uh, help revitalize uh, a program. But that's really the way I monetized it at this point. Uh, then the other thing is, is that um, like all good doctoral students, I learned how to do the statistics for my stuff very well. So if you want to... Um, uh, you, you need to work the results of the Index for Professional Governance in SAS or SPSS or some sort of statistical program. And if you don't want to deal with that, you can just send it all to me and I'll charge you some money to prepare a 30 page. Yeah, that's worth it. You just gave me uh, shivers down my spine remembering about SPSS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've been doing these same reports for quite a while. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know what to look for 
for. I know how to uh, what's what's going to be important to an organization that wants to either implement shared governance or um, uh, revitalize it. Um, I do uh, have a poster session at AONE this year. I don't know how I end up with a poster session because I like to speak and I haven't done a poster for about 30 years. But uh, Stacy Brule, who's uh, one of the directors at Mercy Medical Center, and I are doing a poster on the, the rapid implementation of shared governance, how to implement shared governance in two years flat. But how did you make shared governance popular? Like, how did you make it so people wanted to implement it? Well, I, I think that the, the Magnet program really gave shared governance a shot in the arm. I mean, I, I would be amiss if I didn't talk about people like uh, Tim Porter O'Grady and Vicki George and uh, different people like that uh, that helped uh, shared governance at its inception. There are like several books out there from that era. We've been doing research and publishing for 40 years. So it wasn't me in particular. I just sort of joined the bandwagon. And I think I know at this point that um, Diane and I, we have the only current book out there on this and we just updated it and uh, have a lot of chapters on things like interprofessional shared governance. Um, the Forum for Shared Governance is now accrediting organizations. We just, oh, wow. yeah, we just accredited our uh, 20th organization. It was a hospital in uh, China. Oh, wow, so it's international. Well, my instrument's been translated into about 12 languages. So it's all over the world. And um, we've got uh, an accredited hospital in the UK and in China. And that's free right now. Um, you really, the criteria is not that um, complicated. You need to put a real number with uh, something like the IPNG and demonstrate that you can quantify shared governance. Um, we're gonna make it a little bit more rigorous. Uh, probably as the year goes on, we're writing criteria that, that assures that the CNO and nurse managers are a part of this. Um, so that you just can't cherry pick um, scores from people. Um, I, it's just amazing the things that people will do out there. <laughs> You know, like, well, we'll measure everybody that uh, that participates in councils, but we'll uh, conveniently uh, <laughs> ignore everybody else. <laughs> yeah, we'll ignore uh, nurses at the bedside. <laughs> of course, you come up with a great score. So you won't be able to do that. Um, you have to be honest. And um, so that's, um, yeah, we're accrediting hospitals. And I really see that as a way of... Um, giving recognition to hospitals that do the right thing, that do the good thing. I think this will also help hospitals that want to become a magnet um, or pathways to excellence credentialed. Okay, so the, the shared governance uh, model is important for magnet status and that's how you kind of make your contribution or your your accreditation valuable to these places is that yeah yeah because you're actually you know we're we're saying as an organization and i have a a great advisory board um that i just sort of gutted uh from older people in the last year or two and put uh, a, a whole squad of millennials on so uh, and a manager and a chief nurse and so we've got everybody there um, so this, this will uh, focus people on the shared governance and so they have real shared governance and 
you know, in order to be magnet, you don't need a shared governance program, but you do need some sort of a formal way of empowering nurses at the bedside so that they can control. I mean, my thing is that uh, caregivers should be able to control their practice at the bedside and also have some influence over the resources that support it. Um, because you can, um, if you don't have influence over some of the resources, you can have shared governance all day long, but it's sort of meaningless. It's like Bob Hess walking into uh, a hospital at uh, 6.30 in Saturday morning and uh, walk into a unit and there are like uh, six vent, vented patients and there's one other agency nurse and we're looking at each other and I say, you know, this is not going to be, this is not going to work out. Um, it's and I be a get, bad day. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking at a bad 12 hours and I get on the phone and the supervisor, who I know, is in the, in the uh, office and she said, well, you know, we'll see what we can do. We probably won't be able to do anything, but remember, Bob, this is a shared governance hospital, so you can do whatever you want with the resources that are at your disposal. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that'd be me and this other agency nurse. And we're on code call. So, uh, so uh, it's important to be able to um, um, have some influence beyond what you're doing at the bedside in order to uh, deliver good care. Yeah, it is because uh, <laughs> they. they uh, I think the hospital management loves to think that the nurses can do everything, and and we absolutely can. But you know, you have to have you have to have the resources available. So now that we've got uh, such a reach uh, on uh, social media, the internet, uh, sharedgovernance.org. Uh, one of the other things is that we are publicizing evidence-based practices that have. Uh, evolve through shared governance processes. So if you work at a hospital out there and uh, you came up with uh, some clever evidence-based practice that you want to share with the world, and it, and it really was born, created from shared governance councils, um, we will uh, uh, put that out there with your picture and uh, you can put that on your uh, CV and we'll publicize it internationally. Oh, wow, that's huge. Uh, this is not peer-reviewed yet, but it will be shortly. Um, I just wanted to uh, get this up and running in the last year, and it's pretty neat, some of the things that people have come up with. Yeah, I bet it is. That must be really exciting to see that. Yeah, and the international thing is just very cool. I, I was in uh, England a couple years ago at their first shared governance conference as the keynote at the, at, in Nottingham. Uh, the Middle East has been a hotbed for uh, shared governance for quite a while now. Um, you can go to sharedgovernance.org and look at all the hospitals that uh, have that purport to have shared governance and give us a contact um, a contact person so that we sort of have a community, international community listed online. Uh, and there are things just happening internationally all the time. Uh, I'm in touch with uh, a nurse from uh, Colorado right now, or Arizona, who is uh, getting ready to implement shared governance at, uh, I think it's a couple dozen hospitals in India. Um, so, oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm working on that right now. She's going to need the British version of the IPNG, which was the most difficult translation that was out of all the translations. Because, <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> yeah, so we had to go from English to English. But it was, American to English. Uh, yeah. 
And the, the problem was is that uh, all the, the a lot of the language in the healthcare systems are different over in England. So, you know, you don't have a uh, uh, you don't have a head nurse. You have a ward sister. You don't have a nurse manager. You have a ward sister. And if you're a guy, uh, you're a charge nurse, and that that that's a nurse manager over there. They don't have hospital systems. They have trusts, and um, so it took a while. And it was actually there was a a, a group of master's students with uh, a professor over there that uh, did most of the translation uh, as a project and they won an award for it. So it's kind of cool. And the IPNG had 86 items and we recently, I used two years ago, I said I'd never do this, but we shrunk it down to 50 items. So uh, it's easier and faster uh, to, to do. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so Bob, what is what is the vision for shared governance? What do you want to see in the next five, ten, fifteen years? Well, what I want to see is uh, is an interprofessional version of shared governance. It's not, uh, and this is not new. I've been pushing this for a while. Um, we need an interprofessional model for shared governance. There's some hospitals that do this very well, like uh, Children's Hospital in Cincinnati. Um, they do it very well. I've been doing it for quite a while. Um, I had a little skirmish with people over the title of the book. Uh, we had, uh, they had interdisciplinary. It's not interdisciplinary. It's not multidisciplinary. It's interprofessional shared governance. It's team-based shared governance where people come together as a well-oiled, honed, functioning team that, uh, that includes patients in the care, patients in shared governance, um, not just the profession. So that's the big vision. And we're going to, uh, we've started to write, um, you know, criteria for um, evidence-based shared governance. And I think that uh, eventually we'll be certifying individuals in shared governance. Oh, that's exciting. So there's a lot, lot to be done, really. Um, a lot to be done. So you're just really kind of starting your career again. <laughs> I am. I am. Uh, you know, you know, I don't get up in the morning and uh, think, well, you know, like someone cares about what Bob Hess is doing today as far as my employer. Um, I get up in the morning and Bob Hess cares about what Bob Hess is doing and I can uh, do the good stuff that I think I should be doing uh, without uh, having to answer to anyone. If I don't want to do it or I don't do it, it doesn't get done, and that's fine. That's just on me. But I've got uh, more than enough. Boy, I'll tell you, when people tell me, like, that they, they got squirrely in retirement, I'm just thinking, what planet do you live on? I mean, who's <laughs> running around in your head? Like, no one, I guess. Um, because, you know, between careerwhisper.org and sharedgovernance.org and uh, the good things that you can do out there, um, there's just um, not enough time in the day, really. Yep. All right. So if people want to find out more, if they want to contact you or if they want more information, where can we find you? Bob Hess at sharedgovernance.org. Okay. That's pretty simple. Or info at sharedgovernance.org. Remember, I'm the webmaster. so <laughs> You're the everything. <laughs> so it's all coming through me and, uh, and that's nice. So I have a, a global perspective to say the least. <laughs> Okay. A galactic perspective. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. You know, and thank you for having me. Um, and I look forward to people getting in, getting in touch with me. 
Um, can I put in a uh, one one little bid for this uh, NSNA? I'm trying to raise money for a $50,000 grant. So um, if you um, want to know how to donate and participate in that, that would be great. Get a hold of me with uh, students, scholars. How, how long is that going on for? That'll go on until the beginning of March. So the beginning of March, 2019. Okay. Yeah, and then the other thing is, is that I'm still trying to get 5,000 friends on Facebook. And I'm Why? Up, I'm up to, it's a personal goal. We all need to. So I've got 2,500. So I'm still needing 2,500. So, so everybody go, please friend Bob Hess. So yeah, Robert G. Hess Jr. All right. You're too funny. All right. Thanks, Katie. All right.